Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cash, a weekly feel-good podcast where this week we talk about He-Man, we talk about Disney Plus stuff, and then we talk about some YouTube things. That's right, right at the top of the episode, we will talk about Behind the Attraction, a new Disney Plus show all about rides at Disney World. Followed up by the making of Loki. We'll talk about that very briefly. Then we talk about Hell of a Boss and Has Been Hotel, both of which you can find on YouTube right now. And finally, we end with a discussion of the brand new Netflix show, Masters of the Universe Revelations. And I'm going to give you a massive fucking spoiler warning right at the top of this episode so you can't get mad at me. Um, About 16 minutes in when the He-Man stuff starts, I will give you another spoiler warning, but I will spoil that entire first five episodes. Just a quick heads up. Oh, I also uh, talk about, uh, I went camping this weekend, and I talk a little bit about that. But, if you enjoy the Going Up Cast, and want to support the Going Up Cast, please feel free to swing on by to patreon.com forward slash goingupcast where you can get access to all sorts of videos I've made about Pokemon and other various video games, and movie commentary tracks. Last week we uploaded Casablanca, the 1940s classic, was a movie comment that I commentated over. And uh, this week, later this week, I will be dropping Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince movie commentary track. And if you want to listen to me talk in your ear throughout the entirety of movie six of Harry Potter and the five movies before it, you can find all of those over there at patreon.com forward slash going up cast. I think that is about it I needed to say at the top of this. We're still reading uh, the Amber Spyglass um, I apologize for missing a couple of days um, this weekend. I had pretty bad food poisoning. I'll get into a little later on when we talk about the camping trip. Uh, and I'm still recovering from it. So that definitely put me off talking, uh, let alone doing anything else. And yes, that time has passed, clearly, because I'm talking right now. And I will uh, continue talking in this episode. Let's get into it. Behind the Attraction is a show I've been looking forward to for a little while now. It's been on my radar on Disney Plus for a couple of months. And it is exactly what it sounds like. They are roughly hour-long little documentaries about the the creation, the history, and the reason behind some of the Walt Disney Park most famous attractions. There are five episodes in Season 1. Hopefully there are either going to be A, more episodes of Season 1, or B, more seasons. Because Lord knows there are dozens of attractions they can cover on this show. They decided to start with Jungle Cruise, um, which is kind of blatantly obvious why they did that. One, the show is being produced by Dwayne Johnson as a, kind of like a long-term advertisement for the movie coming out at the end of this month. So there's a little bit of that. Um, but it's not a bad episode. You still learn about the Jungle Cruise. Then they do Haunted Mansion, Space Mountain, Star Tours, and the Hollywood Tower of Terror. Um, and what I, what I thought about, uh, what was interesting about the show, at least for me, was that it went beyond the scope of just the single ride. Like, they would spend a little bit of time talking about the various versions of those rides and rides that were inspired by these rides um, elsewhere. Like, they spent some time talking about um, Star Wars Land, or uh, Guardian of the Galaxy Mission Breakout with Tower of Terror and stuff like that, or the Tron Cycle, which was inspired by uh, Shanghai Disney's lack of interest in Space Mountain, and so they did Tron, and I thought that was interesting. And it's interviews with Imagineers and cast members, um, executives, all sorts of fun stuff. 
I thought it was really well done. The show uh, has a narrator presence, um, and I'm sure everyone is familiar with the narrator that, like, tries too hard to be funny. And I like to think at this point, I know a little bit about being funny. Um, I know what it takes, and I know when you're successful and when you're not, I think, more than anything. I know when a joke lands, and I know when it fucking doesn't. Um, and honestly, for me at least, this narrator in particular wasn't as grating as some others I've experienced. Um, I felt like while some of their jokes certainly didn't land, I didn't mind that they didn't land because I felt like more often than not, it was delivering like actual information and not comedy, but there is a lot of like comments and comedy throughout the show whether or not it's funny i don't recall laughing for example let's put it that way i didn't mind it i think is the best way i could put it um i loved the stories i loved the footage um and i've seen a lot of like youtube channels tell these sorts of stories because lord knows that the disney fan base is ravenous for for content um but i i enjoyed the official uh episodes and Disney taking a swing at telling the story for these rides and I hope they keep doing it I loved the Imagineering documentary which I felt gave us a little taste of what this was all about um but this show really does it's, it's pretty niche I mean if you're not a Disney fan you're not gonna give two tin shits why uh, a ride was made in a park you don't care about it's really for Disney fans and as a Disney fan, I appreciated the show, and I want more episodes. So hopefully uh, the viewers kind of come out in droves to, to see this, and Disney does just that, makes new episodes. Speaking of Disney Plus content, I want to mention this real quick because it doesn't justify its own segment. I watched the making of Loki, and I thought it was fine. That's pretty much all there is to say about it. It felt more like the Tom Hiddleston documentary because um, he spends more time talking about himself um, more than I felt like I learned how the show was made. Uh, I think so far the best documentary that they've given us so far was the WandaVision documentary, which actually did feel like how the show was made, which is kind of what I think these documentaries should be about, not what Tom Hiddleston thinks about being Loki for 11 years. I th I'm glad he's doing it. Good for him. That's not what a documentary is. That's a, that's a self-aggrandizing kind of masturbatory special is what that was um my favorite bit was when he stood there and talked about owen wilson for like a good 60 seconds while standing next to owen wilson who doesn't say a word the entire time he just stands there and stares awkwardly just off camera and just doesn't say anything for like a minute and then he pipes up but there's a little bit there where he's just kind of quietly listening to loki talk um, and I, don't get me wrong, I like Loki, Loki's great, but it was a lot of Loki, it was a lot of Tom. So, I don't know if that's what they wanted, but that's what they got. And if that was their final product, then whatever, but, yep, yeah, I'm ready for the next MCU show, let's just keep on rolling. So every now and then, something will crop up on the old YouTube space that I think is fucking amazing. Um, and I am ashamed to say that this is something that a friend of mine mentioned to me, like, at least a year ago, as in something I should check out, and it's taken me a long time to actually loop back around to do that. Um, 
primarily because I thought there was more episodes of this show than are actually there. And this is uh, Hell of a Boss and the Hasbin Hotel, both of which are made by the same individual um, among, like, uh, voice actors and musicians uh, and, and so on, named Vivian. Uh, Vivian, what's your... Vivian something, I can't remember. Um, but this uh, is essentially, like, the brainchild of Vivian, whose last name I can't remember. And they are both set in the same universe and unreasonably creative. Like, it, it, is, it is astounding that this all... I don't know. I was just really impressed by uh, the, the characters, the, the setting, and the natural series potential based on the elevator pitches of both of these shows. I'm going to talk about Haspen Hotel first. Uh, because that came first. And the Hasbin Hotel focuses on a the princess of hell named Charlie. Um, I should state that, for the record, that both of these are adult animated shows. Uh, they are uh, very violent. There is a lot of sexuality in these shows. Uh, there's a lot of language. You know, that sort of stuff. Anyway, uh, Charlie wants to make a hotel to redeem the souls of hell... So they don't all get killed out during the, the angel genocides that come down every couple of months or whatever. And uh, essentially the, the pilot episode, which is what you can see on YouTube, is all about like setting up those characters. Um, not only uh, Charlie, but Angel Dust, the gay porn star. Um, oh, what the fuck is his name? Alistar. Um, Alistar, the radio demon who is super powerful um, and has become... Uh, well, all of this, the fandom for this show, despite the fact that there are only, what, seven episodes worth of content to watch on YouTube, is pretty obscenely huge. Like, fan art, fan songs, um, fan fiction, all, anything you can think that a fandom would produce, uh, the fandom is producing for this content, which is, is awesome. Especially given how, like, little, like canon media there actually is for this show which is always a sign that you're on to something you know um but the idea of a, a show with reoccurring demons uh confronting their sin and attempting to better themselves well hey howdy hey that sounds like a real fucking interesting show now doesn't it also it's musical so that's in there as well that fucking pilot episode had three songs in them and they're not half bad either which is a real goddamn testament because songwriting isn't easy. So, thumbs up for that. Then the show got picked up by A24, which is predominantly known for making their really awesome indie horror films. Like, Hereditary, I believe, is an A24 movie. Um, don't quote me on that. But hey, you can Google it to confirm it. Um, and they picked it up as a, as a proper show. Like, as a, as a proper, we're going to make a season of this show. Um, and that announcement was made at least two years ago, and we haven't heard Bupkiss ever since. Um, my guess is because it takes a while to make a show, so they're probably just making it. That's usually how that goes. Um, especially if there's songs in there. It takes a little bit longer. Um, and the animation is really amazing. Like, the quality of that pilot for YouTube is astounding. Like, I don't understand how somebody could have that level of passion to work so hard on a thing. Like, I work on a lot of stuff, 
but not very hard. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of downtime in my creation of of media. Um, but then again, I'm inherently lazy, and I usually think I get things done pretty okay on the first take, and that's good enough for me. The second show, Hell of a Boss, uh, was spun up after Has Been Hotel uh, premiered. I don't know if it came before or after the deal with A24. Regardless, there are five episodes of that. Um, I presume more along the way. They just had a, a cast panel for Hell of a Boss um, like less than a week ago by the time you all are hearing this. Uh, and the cast for Hell of a Boss is top tier. Like, vocal casting for that is is amazing. Especially considering it's a YouTube show. Especially considering it's a YouTube show. That show would not be a miss on Adult Swim. Easy. You could put that shit on Adult Swim today. And it would be at home and be insanely popular. And Hell of a Boss is about a group of imps. Uh, led by the, the Papa Imp uh, Blitz. The O is silent. And their job is to... A, a, another, another demon from Hell will uh, contract them to go back to the human world and kill somebody that that demon had a, a fucking personal beef with. And again, the series potential on story threads like that kind of boggles the mind. Um, and it, it occurs to great effect. Um, and the, the writing is, is excellent. The jokes are really funny. The characters are amazing. Um, I, I, love, I love them all. You've got such voice legends as Richard Horvitz, who was Invader Zim. You got uh, Erica Lindbeck, who was Futaba in Persona 5, and uh, more recently Amity in The Owl House, uh, among uh, several others, all of whom do an incredibly amazing job voicing their characters. It is, it's just really amazingly good content, um, and it's pretty different from other things I've seen. Like. I've seen other, like, air quote, adult animated shows. I'm looking at you, South Park. Um, but this, it, like, the the stuff here I don't think is, like, crude. Um, I Like, I don't think it's adults or, or uh, utilizes language in, like, a crass way, which tends to be where most adult animated things go. Looking at you, Sausage Party. Um, it, it, they, like, to me at least, none of the language is unwarranted. Um, the, the sexuality in both shows, uh, to me is almost refreshing in how diverse and inclusive it is. Um, like some shows like Owl House will get away with like, oh, this main character is bisexual, maybe. And like, it's a lot of question marks, but this show is unapologetic in its approach to sexuality. Both of these shows. Um, and that is awesome. And there needs to be more of that. Like... These characters, like, too often a, um, uh, LGBTQA plus non-binary, uh, individual in media, that will be their character. Do you know what I mean? Like, hi, my name's Lawrence, and I'm the gay friend. I'm not your friend who also happens to be gay, I am the gay friend. And so they become stereotypes. And that's not good representation. Um, that is a stereotype, um, and that is bad. But in this show, they are fully fleshed out characters, and their sexuality is a part of who they are, not who they are. Um, 
and I appreciate that, um, because, you know, that's the way to do it. Anyway, all of this stuff can be found on the YouTube channel V-I-V-Z-I-E-P-O-P, Vivzipop, or just Google Has Been Hotel, or Hell of a Boss, and yeah, it's a pun where it says Hell, Hell of a Boss, um, and you can find all of this stuff free on YouTube right now, and I would really recommend it. It's probably, I mean, the pilot episode for Hasman's 30 minutes. Uh, the Hell of a Boss episodes are less than 20 minutes apiece. You know, it's a good couple of hours worth of stuff that you can check out there, and I would highly recommend it, but boy, because boy howdy, is it good stuff to watch. Um, but just to reemphasize once again, it is adult, so keep that in mind. It gives you a warning at the start of each episode about what's in the episode in particular, especially if it could be a... Um, a triggering subject matter, so keep that in mind and be aware and have fun. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Speaking of animation, because I have nothing else going on, um, Masters of the Universe came back. I know what you're all thinking. Who cares? But that is uh, that is kind of where I was at when I first heard about this news. Because um, He-Man and the Master of the Universe came out in 1983, and it ran for two years. I know, I, I could have sworn it ran for longer. But no, it only ran for two years. From 1983 to 1985. There was a follow-up show um, later on uh, called He-Man, like the new adventures of He-Man in the 90s. Um, but this new Netflix show does not care about that. We do not care about the new adventures of He-Man. Masters of the Universe Revelations occurs after the events of the original show. To the best of my knowledge, immediately after the events of the original show. I have not seen the original show. Most of my He-Man knowledge comes from from Robot Chicken. That's where most of it comes from. Or other skit shows. Like, it was incredibly popular in the 80s. Primarily due to, of all things, toys. Mattel, like... You could buy toys of everything. You can get, like, little castle figures, a castle gray skull, and all that stuff. Um, but He-Man has a, a very impactful presence in animation cultural zeitgeist. Because uh, a lot of people shit on He-Man due to the fact that back in the 80s, it was meant for, for fucking boys. Like, there's no, there's no way around that. He-Man and all of his fucking characters... It was all about, like, the fucking pinnacle of masculinity and uh, being the most powerful motherfucker in the universe and going up against Skeletor and he rode in a battle cat and everybody had, like, lasers and gunships and magic and, oh my god, it was so fucking cool, man. It was Saturday morning cartoon, uh, like, epitomized in one show. And then they announced, and when I say they, I mean Kevin Smith, um, and Netflix announced that they were going to not only create this follow-up show, but apparently they are also rebooting the original show, but for some reason that one's in CGI rather than what appears to be hand-drawn animation like this one is. Um, I'm not really sure. We haven't heard much about that other show, um, but we're only focusing about this one. And so that's what everybody knew about He-Man going in. Um, and then the cast list got announced, and... I can't remember the last time I saw an animated show or an animated movie with this level of not only voice acting, but actors, like, overall. 
the cast in this is absurd to the point where pretty much every name on this list is like an established Hollywood actor. We've got Sarah Michelle Gellar as the main character of Tila. We got Lena Headey, uh, who was uh, Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. We got Liam Cunningham, who was Sir Davos Seaworth in Game of Thrones. We have Stephen Root. We have Susie Eisenberg. We have Chris Wood. We have Mark Hamill. Kevin Michael Richardson, Alicia Silverstone, Kevin Conroy, Alan Oppenheimer, Justin Long, Tony Todd, Phil Lamar, Chris Summers, Dennis Habert, and many others. All incredible actors in their own right. And they all do an awesome job in the show. There are only five episodes of the show right now. That's part one. Part two will debut later. I don't believe we have a release date for that just yet. But it will come out later. Probably later this year if I had to guess. And you heard me right. The main character of Masters in the Universe Revelations is not He-Man. It is Tila. And at this point, I will now give you the... If you haven't seen this show, I'm going to spoil the ever-living hell out of it. Okay. I mean, that was just your cue to turn this shit off. Um, what I love about this show is it is like the, the balm to the wound of toxic masculinity that the original show caused. Because it's not about He-Man versus Skeletor. In the very first episode, Skeletor attacks Castle Grayskull and gets into Castle Grayskull to discover that it is called the Hall of Wisdom. Um, and he tricks He-Man into opening up the orb that is responsible for like all magic and Eternia and Skeletor breaks the orb and seemingly kills both himself and He-Man. That's how the show begins with the death of He-Man. And right out the gate, you're like, oh, okay, it's one of those things. Goodbye, Optimus. You know, most powerful person in the universe is taken out like right out the fucking gate. And it's it's really good. And uh, Tila, who is uh, uh, a man at arms for the, the kingdom of whatever the fuck, Grayskull, um, or He-Man, I don't know what the kingdom is called, but she's a man at arms for the kingdom. And she discovers that her best friend, Prince Adam, is actually He-Man, but she only finds out about that after He-Man fucking beefs it. And so she, and she, he beefs it right in front of her. And so she's pissed that, like, nobody told her. Which, you know, I get. But at the same time, like, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they had a good reason. I don't know. But Tila's pissed. And this is Sarah Michelle Gellar. Um, and so Tila just fucking pieces. She She's like, I'm done with this shit. Fuck all y'all. I'm out. And that's the end of episode one. And it turns out, a couple of presumably weeks later, because Tila has a haircut, and that usually denotes the uh, the passage of time. Uh, Tina, or Tila, is um, working as a mercenary trying to get back the glove of gob, gobble, gobble bobbles from a character named Stankor with their new best friend, uh, Andra, uh, who I believe is called Lieutenant Andra. Side note about both of those characters, those characters only existed in either uh, Stankor existed as a toy, and Andra existed in the comic book, Neither of them actually made it into the original show. And so this was their Masters of the Universe television debut. Uh, which shows just how much love went into this show for like super big diehard fans. Where deep cut characters from just the toy line or just the comic books now exist on this show. 
Um, speaking of deep cuts, um, Alan Oppenheimer was one of the original voice actors for the 1980s uh, show. He was the voice of uh, Skeletor, of um, Man at Arms, of a bunch of characters. Because uh, back then, they would get like six voice actors, and those voice actors would voice like 27 plus fucking characters. Um, but we don't do that anymore. Now it's like you get you get a voice actor per role, and then that's it. Also, the music's done by Bear McCreary, who also did the music for like God of War, and is fucking incredible. Um, and the music in this movie is or movie in this show is fucking on point. It almost is a movie because there's only five episodes. Each episode's about twenty-ish minutes. It's basically just a really well-constructed, solid movie. Um, and I think that's why I was able to watch it essentially in one go. Um, anyway, they're they're getting they're you know they're being a mercenary, and then this other person shows up, and they're like, "I need you to get a cup for me." Um, and so they go and get the cup from Snake Mountain, which is where Skeletor was from. Uh, I didn't know it was called Snake Mountain. Uh, naming naming things is not Master of the Universe's strong suit. Because you've got He-Man. You've got Evelyn. You've got fucking Skeletor, Beast Man, Triclops, Moss Man, Roboto, Hero, Castle, or King Grayskull. And then some poor guy named Victor. I know. And yes, that wasn't hero as in H E R O. It's he ro H E hyphen R O. Because naming things is not this sorry strong suit. Um and I I've had my experience with this um watching She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, which is also on Netflix and is also amazing. Um and now that like both He-Man and She-Ra have like a really solid Netflix presence. God, I want to cross over. That'd be fucking swell. Um, anywho, they go and get this cup from this guy named Triclops who has assembled this techno cult uh, in the fall of Skeletor because Skeletor breaking of the orb essentially killed all magic in Eternia. And so Triclops was like, well, now we're going to rely on technology. Um, and so these people will drink this weird fucking techno ferro fluid um, and have their limbs turned into robot parts. Because that's dope as hell. Um, and why not? And then fucking uh, Tila gets the cup and fights their way out of it. And uh, then the uh, woman who's like, eh, <laughs> is like, now we need to go to Castle Grayskull and finish the job. And they go to Castle Grayskull. And it turns out that <laughs> person was Evelyn, or Evil Lynn rather. Her actual name's Evelyn, but whatever. I'm gonna call her Lynn. It's Lynn. And the sorceress is like, I needed the help because the cup turns out to be the Havoc Staff, uh, which was Skeletor's thing. Um, and it per it contained like the last little drops of actual magic in Eternia. Uh, and then all of them, except for the sorceress of uh, Castle Grayskull, are then sent on a quest to unite the power sword because the power sword is the conduit of magic in Eternia and the entire universe. Um, because without magic in Eternia, the entire universe is dying, which is a bad, bad time. Um, and so they discovered that the two halves of the sword of power are located in Praternia, which is heaven, and Subternia, or the land of the dead in hell. Because again, why not? This is also the first episode in this five episode series 
that made me feel things approaching tears. And that is when Cringer convinces Tila to not fucking go. Um, it got me. It got me good because Cringer is a big fucking good boy. And goddamn it. Episode 3 is called The Most Dangerous Man in Eternia because in order to reforge the sword, they need a man at arms. Q. Sir Davo Seaworth. Um, and they go to a village. Um, just, just a village. They don't even know he's fucking there. Uh, but they all show up. And Triclops is there and he's like, fuck this magic shit. And then Man at Arms, like, fucking kicks a ton of ass. Um, and he is the titled Most Dangerous Man in Eternia, according to, uh, Lynn. Um, cause she was like, you know, He-Man, we, we got, we got things to deal with He-Man, but fucking Man at Arms? You know, you don't fuck with man at arms. And I thought that was kind of cool. And he certainly holds his own. Man at arms is an absolute ass kicker. And um, man at arms is like, I gotta get this magic water back to a friend of mine. And they go back to his hut. And it turns out the friend is Orko. Now, before watching this show, I didn't know fucking diddly shit about Orko. I have a hand-drawn um, sketch of Orko from one of the original artists of He-Man that I got in a goddamn Loot Crate box once. Um, I still have it. It's one of the few things I actually kept from Loot Crate because I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I didn't know dick about Orko. I didn't know what Orko was. I didn't know their fucking personality. I just assumed they were this show's equivalent of Snark from the Thundercats. I was wrong. Orko made me cry about three times in this episode alone. Um, and I'm not even going to tell you what Orko says or does. But just trust me that when I say the performance out of Orko is fucking top tier. It was amazing. So I fucking loved that. Anyway, they they plug Orko full of magic juice. And um, Orko joins the adventure. And they go down to, uh, to Subternia um, in order to get the sword from that domain. And that is the next episode um, where they encounter a character known as Scareglow. Yep. Uh, voiced by Tony Todd, because, of course, one of the greatest voices in the world, if not in Hollywood. Um, and this is the classic, like, we're gonna separate out the heroes with illusions, and they're gonna have to face their collective fears. And it's all done pretty well, um, including, uh, Tila's, uh, encounter with Scaregrow. Um, or Scareglow, rather. And... Uh, the revelation there within, which I thought was a fun twist on the whole thing. Uh, but again, I'm not going to get too into that. Uh, but get, they eventually get the sword, uh, but Scareglow is like putting up a fight for some reason. It's not really made abundantly clear, but he's like, I'm not going to let y'all leave. And then Orko fucking whoops his ass, but in doing so, uh, seemingly annihilates himself in the process. Uh, everybody else goes to Paternia, where they encounter a surprised Prince Adam. <gasps> Prince Adam's in heaven. Oh, what do you know? Um, and then they get the sword from Prince Adam, but then Adam's like, yeah, you can't leave heaven. There's no way out. And they're like, fine. Well, now what? And Adam goes, well, there might be one way. And so they go talk to King Grayskull, the, the first hero with the power sword, to uh, utilize a gate within his tower in heaven that allows him to return to the mortal plane. Um, which I almost guarantee will come up later. I'm marking, I'm marking this line in the dirt right now. That will come up in part two. 
Mark my words. Um, but then they also need to uh, reforge the power sword. And so they go to Hero, voiced by Phil Lamar. And Hero is, oh no, we're going to get enough power to do this. And then Roboto there, the robot man, voiced by Justin Long, is like, well, I run off of a quark engine. So let us use that. Um, and he does reforge the sword, but kills himself in the process. And we get the power sword back. Uh, and then uh, all of the buddies are ready to go back to the planet. But He-Man's like, what aren't you telling me? And Tila's like, don't fucking worry about it. You're in heaven. Your fight's done. And He-Man's like, I'm not abandoning my friends. And everybody in heaven's like, you know, if you go back to Earth, you won't be able to come back here. And He-Man's like, I go where they go. And it was, it's this big heartfelt moment. And all the people in heaven are like, well, good luck to you. And they all go back to Earth, and they're immediately under attack by Triclops. But then it all turns out okay, and they they go back down to the the, the keep, and He Man pulls out the sword, and he he's you know he's summoning magic, and the orb reforms and the closes up around, and Triclops pulls back as magic is brought back to the land of Eternia, and He Man goes like, by the power of Grayskull, I have the flip. And then he gets stabbed from behind by Skeletor. And Skeletor leans in and says some dope shit. And kills He-Man for a second time. That's right, motherfuckers. In the first five episodes of the show, He-Man dies twice. Holy shit. And then Skeletor picks up the fucking sword. And then he says that shit. And then he becomes Skele-God. And that's how the first part ends. And it's fucking incredible. I goddamn loved it. It blew my goddamn mind. Because I don't know much about the original show, but I know for goddamn certain that Skeletor never got his hands on that fucking sword. But now he did, and now he is a master of the universe. And I am really intrigued about where this is going to go. I cannot wait for part two. So yeah, like, it's not He-Man and Skeletor's fight. It is Tila and Lynn. The supposed, at least the way this show makes it seem, like the the, the the right, the collective right hands of Skeletor and He-Man. But it's so much more than just like the the those, you know, it it's all about their story. And it's not like it's their story finally like breaking free of the shackles of the other two. They talk about that a little bit. But it really doesn't come off like that, you know? Um, there's that... Is the Bechdel test? Where, like, women off-screen will only talk about men to each other rather than, like, anything else of substance. Um, this show doesn't even come close to, like, giving you that impression. At least it didn't to me. It really did feel like this show was more aware of the cultural situation of the now... Knowing that a He-Man-centric, toxic masculinity animated show may not have played as well than this one did. And I thought this one was very good. Um, and it's, uh, like, inclusivity of, you know, um, fucking, no, Tila, that's goddammit, of, of Tila and Lynn. Sorry, I can't believe I blanked on I'm, like, looking at the fucking Wikipedia page. Um, no, I thought they were incredibly strong characters. Um, very well written. I gotta love a strong female lead. Like, god damn it. Most of my favorite animated shows from nowadays are led by a strong female character, and hell yes. 
all over that shit. Um, and one thing that kind of irritates me is that this show was review bombed by people being angry about the fact that He-Man only exists in like maybe 10 minutes of screen time over the course of the entire uh, first part of the show. Um, which I get if you're a big fan and you came back to watch He-Man story, this isn't He-Man story. I appreciated this show for taking in a different direction and doing something more unique with it, in my opinion. Especially because, well, I don't know what part two is going to be because Prince Adam is supposedly dead twice over. Um, but who knows? Maybe maybe we'll see He-Man in part two. I have no idea. But what I can say is that this five-episode show, or what I will call a movie is incredibly strong and very much worth the effort of watching and I cannot recommend it more than that. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. And finally this week, I'm just going to talk a little bit about what I went off and did this weekend. And that is swimming. And some context. So, I, uh, I got an invite to go camping with a bunch of old friends from high school. And uh, we went out to... Where the fuck were we? Uh, we were on Tinkham Road out in, uh, on uh, the fucking Cascade Mountains. And uh, we, we we all got there at varying times. I think I was the second person to show up. Uh, you know, we set up our tents, we set up our hammocks, and then found out that there was a little river um, about less than a five minutes walk from the campsite. Uh, I didn't bring a swimsuit, but I had like gym shorts, so I was like, that's good enough. Uh, and we all head down there, and we're all just hanging out, and we take our shoes off, and we're splashing around, we toss a football for a little bit, um, and then, uh, one of us, um, was brave enough to actually just kind of go into the water. There was a, a section of the river that was maybe, maybe six feet deep. It wasn't a particularly deep portion of the river, um, but it existed, and so they were able to fully submerge. And so, uh, uh, about... Four or five others of us were like, that looks fucking awesome. Let's fucking do that. Uh, and so we went back up to camp and changed uh, and went back down to the old swimming hole uh, and actually went swimming for, the, for like the first time in years. Uh, and that was just fucking delightful because I adore swimming. I was on the swim team in high school. I was okay at it. Um, I'd probably still be okay at it now. Like I can definitely swim. I'm not sure how fast I would be, but I can swim. And it's it's just a it was a bunch of fun, uh, and we actually found um, behind like this fallen log that had been like ripped out and toppled over. There was a section of the river that was pretty deep, um, but it was a lot uh, more like less moving. Um, it was still moving, but not as fast as the other part of the river. Uh, so the temperature was warmer because the water was heated for longer uh, by the sun, and so we hung out on that pool. Um, and just drank beer and had a blast. I think I went through like nine beers um, over that fucking camping adventure. Um, but as a direct result, my stomach has been, excuse me, very unhappy with me uh, in the uh, the following days. And I had like half a bowl of chili for food totally over the course of this day. I've been drinking water exclusively and that's it. I'm just trying to work out whatever this is through my system. So I don't fucking ruin myself again. Um, but I but I do enjoy camping. I did forget to bring sweatpants, though. 
And so that did cause me to shiver throughout the like the entire night. My two sleeping bags did not keep me warm enough. Um, so that was a bit of a miserable experience. But overall, I had a ton of fun. Uh, and then I came home the next day and essentially went to bed because of how tired I was. Um, it was a shocking amount of tiredness just immediately came over my body. And I just went down for the count. Uh, but yeah, that was that was a good time. And speaking of good times, hey, howdy, hey. I hope you all enjoyed this week's episode of The Going Upcast. A little bit shorter than what I normally do. But hey, that is totally fine with me. This episode was exactly as long as it needed to be. Uh, and if you're looking for more content, well, then you can enjoy more audiobook chapters releasing every day on thegoingupcast.com forward slash audiobooks. Or you can swing on over to patreon.com going up slash goingupcast. Uh, where this week I will be dropping the movie commentary track for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. That one is done and is ready to go. And if you want to listen to it, you're going to have to become a patron at $5 in order to get access to that and all the other movie commentary tracks I have released. Last week was Casablanca. That was a fun one. Um, Thank you all very much for listening. I will see you all next time. Have a good one, everyone.